Chef David Chang and the members of the Recipe Club sift through millions of search results to find the very best way to make the food you want to eat. Each week, they cook three recipes for the same dish, debate them, and ultimately declare the winning recipe. Check out Recipe Club on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Overreactor, Kevin Verno. What's going on this Friday, buddy? Well, uh, we have had a very interesting week in the NBA. We've got a bunch of stuff that is coming up very quickly that we will get to. Um, Let's start with some things that took place last night, which uh, on TNT, they start talking about the MVP last night. And it feels like, and I was just watching the video um, from our guys at the Ringer NBA show, the real ones, where they were talking about Nikola Jokic, and they were talking about the narrative surrounding him. Obviously, the Nuggets have been great recently, and his numbers are downright freaky at this point. He's averaging 26 points, uh, 10.9 rebounds, 8.7 assists, all while shooting 57% from the field and 42% from three, uh, 86% from the line also uh, for that number. But the Jokic numbers are crazy, and Barkley installs Chris Paul into the mix mm, yeah. last night. And and obviously this has been talked about in the past. Like about a month ago, we talked about what Phoenix's record was. And I said that, look, Paul or Booker, one of them is going to start to get some talk. Um, same with the Utah guys, because there has been a standard over the course of the last how many ever decades you want to go back that typically the guy who wins is on the first place team or the second place team in either conference, or they have had this just crazy historical anomaly season, like what Westbrook did a couple of years ago. And there's a lot of people that argue with Westbrook winning that year. Um, but he was an extreme outlier. Typically you've got to come from one of the teams that has the best records. And so if you're searching for those, I mean, somebody from Phoenix has got to get in the mix, right? Uh, if you're if you're gonna find somebody on one of the best records uh, to get in involved here, it's got to be somebody from Utah. It's got to be somebody from Phoenix. It's got to be somebody from Brooklyn. It's got to be somebody from Philly. Those are the four best records. So, what did you make of 
Paul being mentioned last night on national TV as someone who should get in the general uh, consciousness of voters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think with Chris Paul, he deserves to at least be in the conversation for the top five. Um, You know, I think when you think about MVP, obviously it has to do with the on court. It has to do with the numbers. It has to do with the production that's easy to see and easy to, to measure, right? But it also has to do with some of the stuff that's harder to measure, the stuff that we can't see and the influence a player has on the team with team chemistry on bus rides and the locker room when things are tough in the fourth quarter and what they say or do in the huddle and how they instruct teammates. And, and that's where Chris Paul is better than maybe anybody. And and his position as the point guard on the team, he's really helped change Phoenix and help enhance Phoenix with what they've become, as we've talked about all year, Chris, right? Like the Suns, they were on an upward trajectory. Chris Paul accelerated all of that and helped lift everybody. That is a most valuable player quality. But I do think you can say a lot of those same things about Nikola Jokic this season, like just with the way in which he performs. And he's not necessarily as vocal um, off the court. But that guy just makes people better. He just makes people better. And like the criticisms a couple of years ago were defense. He's near the top of the league in deflections. He has become a very good positional defender. He's one of the league's best rebounders. He, I mean, he really is one of the best players in basketball, period. And right now I'd have him in the lead. Yeah. Pretty firmly as MVP. Well, and here's the thing with Paul, who I, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that if there was going to be a, a guy from Phoenix that, in my opinion, Paul would be the guy because he is the thing that changed. And you took a team that has not been a playoff performer in forever. Now you look up and they are in second place. So what changed? And it is obviously the most noticeable thing that changed. But I also have an awareness. You got to have the numbers. Like, that's what the MVP is, yeah. right? Like, in the end, you've got to have the numbers. And Paul doesn't have extreme numbers if you lined up his numbers versus 16 a lot of people. points a game. Yeah, nobody you know? is looking. Yeah. And, and, and look, we can do the whole, he changed the entire culture. And I would argue, of course, that should be a big part of you know, uh, it should be taken into consideration. If we are going to have the discussion of who is truly the most valuable player to their team, but that's not like we, we change the definition every year dependent upon the truth is it's typically best player on one of the best teams or somebody that is doing something that we haven't seen before. Cause if we want to get in the business of, hey, this guy is actually the most valuable. Well, look, Kev, LeBron James would have seven MVPs. He doesn't have seven MVPs. And the reason he doesn't have seven MVPs is because other guys had better individual regular seasons. That when you lined it up, of course, we could say, if I took this guy off, it would be the most damaging to a team. Like, yes. Chris Paul's in that mix. Jimmy Butler is in that mix. Uh, LeBron James in that mix. There's a bunch of guys. Look, I'm watching last night. Flip on that. Flip on that Milwaukee game, and you tell me how many games Milwaukee's winning without Giannis. They ain't winning anything without him. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, that's just a whatever team without Giannis. I mean, you got to see him without him to understand. <laughs> what the difference is with him. And so, but again, he's not going to get 
in that mix either. So I would just say, well, Giannis, look, I, Giannis will be in the mix for top no, no, five. No. Uh, but I'm I, saying nobody's going to give it to him. He maybe he, not. I mean, we'll could, I'm he, sure. I think this year we're not going to see like, let's just say Jokic is the favorite right now, which he is and should be. I don't necessarily think he's going to get over 90% of the vote for number one. I think they're going to see a handful of different guys. You're going to see some Dame votes. You're going to see some, you might even still see like an Embiid or a LeBron vote despite the games missed. It wouldn't shock me one bit. No, 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 no. All I'm saying is we're Giannis is not, he'll get votes, but they're not going to give him the award. He's not going to be a back-to-back-to-back winner. I I would be shocked if he won. I'd be shocked. What would have to happen is, I mean, like, I don't even like to say it, but if Jokic were to miss some time, Mm -hmm. like Embiid missed time, like LeBron missed time, if that were to happen next over the next month, they'd still find find somebody else. You think think it would move to Dame Dame Lillard or Or Harden or or whoever? Somebody else. Yeah, somebody else. But uh, so all I'm saying is, which is, is that right, though? Is that okay? I don't think that's okay. If we did it. We did it. And he deserves to win it. Well, look, if I do think much like the Paul thing, that if, if you want to have the discussion, if I took this guy off the team, it would be the most devastating to that team. I mean, you got a really, I think you got a really good argument with Giannis that if you, with the difference in that team with and without him, might be as severe as any other team. Obviously, the the Paul thing uh, falls in there. Uh, LeBron, we're seeing, right? That's going to fall in there, a team with and without LeBron. But I just don't think that... Gian- Giannis had these historic seasons, and now, after after it fizzled in the postseason, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit before he starts getting most valuable player votes again. But this, look, every MVP case is falling apart. You know, Jokic might be the last man standing. You know, we, it was MB. And then we got a, like, there was like a real LeBron push. And then we lost him. And then there was a real Harden push. And now we've lost him. So, like. Jokic might be last man standing. It might have really been Jokic the whole time, though. Maybe. It's it's just Denver was lower in the standings. They got yep. off to the sluggish start and all that. Um, but Jokic this whole year has just been ridiculous. He's been ridiculous on both ends of the court. And, I mean, we'll have a, like more extensive MVP conversations closer to the time, uh, the end of the season when votes are due and all that. But, I mean, Jokic to me is the clear number one guy right now. I just thought it was interesting for... Paul to get, you know, once something happens like that on TNT, it becomes a conversation piece. If nothing else, it gets Paul towards the, you know, in the consciousness of these voters as to, hey, you know what? But uh, so he'll probably get a lot more votes just because he's going to be a talking point. Um, But I think it's pretty far fetched unless the numbers just became extreme uh, for him to be able to get it. few notes from last night. I swear we talk about stuff on this show and then the weirdest stuff happens, you know, following this Paul George thing after we talked about him earlier in the week <laughs> and the level of yeah. concern that is going on with George and the whole having to play, you know, through uh, an injury uh, and you had chronicled his numbers in an article. So it's not like we were just speculating here. Like the numbers were the numbers. For over a a long period of time. For a long period of time. And now the guy just explodes. 
since the show. I don't know. <laughs> Paul George must be a big mismatch hey, fan. And he was like, show. yeah, if, I think if, he if was Paul listening. George wants to come on and, and yeah. talk. I mean, we Paul <laughs> George prob- <laughs> probably listening and was like, you know what? Screw these guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, what are, or, uh, ever, yeah, I averaged like 19 points a game and my toe hurts a little bit, but I'm not dead here. And so he decided to uh, remind us because we talked about they need all NBA Paul George in order for them to be able to uh, reach their whatever their ceiling is. Um, And he has been outstanding since that damn show. That's crazy. I mean, really. With Paul George, even with that recent stretch where he wasn't shooting the ball well. He still has ludicrous shooting numbers this entire season. He's shooting above forty percent, and from three and pick and roll off screens, off handoffs, he's just shooting the lights out. Regardless of how the Clippers use him, regardless of the the position on the floor, he's been the best shooter in basketball. Period. You know, in terms of off the dribble and on the dribble um, combined, uh, the year he's having is ridiculous. It's just there was that recent recent stretch that was worrisome and especially in the shot creation department the finishing department um but the fact he's doing it this week is encouraging at least you know that he's able to play through it and maybe it is the type of thing where with this toe issue it's it's merely about adjusting to whatever physical pain it is and play and playing around that essentially mm-hmm. to avoid the situations in which you do feel the pain and it does affect you <laughs> having to manage it still a concern um but the results this week are undeniably encouraging if you're a Clippers fan. Well, and you have with last night's game, which is a this is a potential playoff matchup. This is something that we could very easily uh, get in the second round. And so I like there being a little drama possibly between the teams, uh, the Clippers oh, and yeah. the Suns. They oh, played no. they've played <laughs> twice this year. Um, and there have been contentious moments resulting in technical fouls, flagrant fouls, ejections, and plenty of chirping. Um, and this is the article from ESPN. After Paul George scored 33 uh, to help them win, uh, the All-Star Guard noted that for the second time this season, how the Suns do a lot of chirping. And he said, I don't know what that chirp is about. We focused on us. I don't care what they're doing over there. I don't care who they are, and I don't care what they're doing. I'm locked in. They can do all the chirping. I let them have it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love the oh, energy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm hopeful for this, right? Well, And you know, look, Paul and Rondo will come nose to nose. Yeah. You know, if we can get – I'm kind of – I'm kind of hopeful for this. That that kind of happened. Yeah, no, didn't really happen to going toe to toe necessarily. But Rondo had a great had, had himself a great game, and he was asked about a play call that the Suns ran, and he's like, "Oh, number three on the other team called the play out, so all I really did is just repeat it to my teammates." He just referred to him as number three uh, <laughs> instead of Chris Paul. Uh, <laughs> hey, what, what was it? Was it? It was him and Rondo in the uh, spit gate thing, right? Oh yeah. Did yes. he spit? Did he not? Yeah, like, so, that's I mean, right. They, yeah. They got, they got some, something else. They got some history. <laughs> It'd be pretty good so if we great. could. And look, as it stands right now, we would theoretically, if they both won their first round series, we would catch them in uh, in round number two. And that could be an epic seven games, especially with the whole Paul George being the one talking. 
Because now you get to the playoffs if they get to that second round, and all of a sudden, you know, people love to come after his neck too. The uh, the playoffs in general could be just oh, incredibly the fun. West? Especially well, in the West. Yeah. And here's part of it, Kev, because um, I was reading this morning that, and you tried to tell me about this on Tuesday, the Mavs are like 20 and 8, I think, since uh, the beginning of February. Yeah, I think third best record in the league. Yeah, an outstanding record and almost an exact flip of kind of what happened with them last year. Last year, they started off like a house of fire, and then, you know, you had the injuries and whatnot, and then they, like the last half of the season, they were really like a 500 basketball team. And it's always worthwhile to pay attention once we get to this back part of the season, which of these teams have these outstanding records, because what it signifies is, they are much more likely to be that they're closer to that team than they are the team that started the season, whatever they started. Right. Um, and this is, th- this is commonplace many times when you see like lower seeds um, that end up being extremely successful in the playoffs or very competitive. And then you go back and look and go, you know what? Like that team, yeah, they were the seventh seed. Yeah. They were the eighth seed, but they were like, you know, what 25 and 10 their last 35 games so they've been good for a while now it does feel like though the Mavs are you know seventh I I believe still today in the standings they are better than that right this version of the Mavs um and as they have played rather consistently now for a couple of months is clearly better than what a normal seven seed would be no doubt about it. And right now they're only a game back from Portland for the sixth spot. And that's, what's going to make this stretch run for me personally, really exciting to watch because in, in a normal year, the NBA season, let's just be honest, like towards the end, sometimes it can be a little bit of a drag because like so many teams are locked into the playoffs. And this year is so different though, because the fact is, is that you're going to see teams fight for that six seat to avoid the play-in because you never know what could happen with the play-in. You just never know. You you could have two bad games and then be out of the playoffs. And if you can get that sixth seed, you lock yourself in. You're guaranteed a spot in the postseason. And right now, Portland is only one game up on Dallas, only three games up on Memphis. Pretty good lead on Memphis, right? But Dallas, the way they're surging, I mean, like it, it's going to be fun to watch Dallas and Portland fight for that sixth spot, see how that develops over the next couple of weeks. And you still, Lakers, it's like we said, they're right now only two and a half up on Dallas, only a game and a half up on Portland. Yeah, Portland really hasn't taken advantage of this, right? Of well, they the, can't of, stop anybody on defense. No, I'm saying uh, yeah. the Lakers swoon. This nope, would be them. the time to really take advantage of it, but you'd need to reel off wins. Dallas has been like, you know, seven and three in their last 10, whereas Portland's been like a 500 team. And you just, no matter how many times they lose, you can't gain that much ground being 500, right? I mean, it just takes too long. Um, And so this would be the time, any amount of games that LA has to play without LeBron, if Portland's going to jump ahead, they better do it now. And, right, and they they are not, and even they the are. Lakers, even despite missing LeBron and AD, still have an elite defense <laughs> that's helping them at least be average. Right, their offense is really sputtering on that end of the floor. But 
the defense is holding them up to at least be 500. And Portland has not been better than 500. They're worse than 500 over the last couple of weeks. So with them, it's like we talked about all year long with Portland. Their defense is not good. It's very bad. And that's going to kill them at some point before, maybe before the playoffs or during the playoffs. It's going to be the reason for their demise this season. These other teams are just flat out better. Yeah. Well, it's just going to matter. Can you get to the playoffs and just play the outscore thing? Be within a yeah. couple buckets with five minutes left to go, and Damian Lillard it, Dame either wins over. a game or he doesn't. McCollum hits some huge shots. Norman yeah. Powell hits like that. That, that, that is how that is yeah. how they're going to play. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's how that's, that's going to be the be. formula. It's got to be the formula. You just mm-hmm. better be up by you know three possessions, <laughs> right? Because you don't want to get in a close game with that guy. Come playoff time. Despite how crappy their defense is, just because he he has proven himself as a, as a guy that could come up clutch and certainly come up clutch on the biggest stages too, and so they're yeah they're you're right they're just going to play a outscore them type game uh, at this point because you wouldn't expect that they're going to be getting a ton of stops. But back Dame to the is, team, Dame is something else, man. Look the 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 Jokic or I mean Jokic the, the Doncic Porzingis thing. The tandem looks good right now. It does. You know, and we've wondered, is that, is that good enough, right, um, to bring to the table? And th- we know that Luca is one of the top five, ten players in the league. Is Porzingis... You can stop a um, top five. I reliable. <laughs> but is he a reliable enough, you know, Robin? And, I mean... He's been playing so much better. You know, he's finally gotten healthy, finally gotten their bearings, and it's going to be, you know, dependent upon those two. And you know, so much attention that is given to Doncic that it opens the it, it opens the opportunity for Porzingis to be the guy, you know, that unicorn that everybody thought <laughs> he was going to be once upon a time. You know, it's look a lot closer to that recently than it than it has for a while yeah i mean offensively he's incredibly potent in the floor spacing that he provides being able to spot out from like 30 feet (laughs) makes a a hard to measure difference for luca with his attacking lanes and for the teammates too it's you know not just luca even though he's like the center of their solar system so he's important it's just there's certain defensive matchups he gets completely shredded and he is too slow laterally or not as impactful around the rim as you would hope for for a guy his size. And that's going to have to be the key thing is what level of defense are you getting out of Kristaps Porzingis in addition to, you know, him getting 20 points, spacing the floor for Luka, you know, hitting the hitting shots and taking shots in spots he needs to. Like He's not the guy. Um, da- Dallas, Dallas is a threat. Well, we a just threat know because he- of Luka. Well, and he is the question. The Porzingis thing is the he question, Kev, because... The health is health is always well, going to be a concern. And is he... He has to be great. He has to be great. He does. Because, I mean, you're thinking about... You think about this, the way this goes to the playoffs, and they, they can be a very dangerous playoff team simply because of Luka's presence. But there always has to be the ancillary guys. And so who are you counting on outside of Luka to be consistent and to have a great series. Is it because is it Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is it Josh Richardson? I mean, all signs point to it's got to be Porzingis. Like he's got to be the great 
second guy for Luca because it's not going to be those other guys. It's just not. I mean, you're going to get good contributions from Jalen Bronson, who's, by the way, has been one of the better backup, you know, rot- or rotation guards in the league all year long. Tim Hardaway has been good too. They have other talent on that team. It's just like to your point, this, the primary sources of offense are Luca and KP. You know, Luca, Luca with creation, with doing it off the dribble, KP with spot up threes, attacking closeouts, finishing around the rim with off a of pick and roll and all that. Luca's the creator. KP is the finisher. And you don't rely on KP to finish because he can't post up guys that are a foot shorter than him. He can only shoot over them occasionally. And even that's not the most efficient shot in the league. Again, though, like the issue is defense. KP has some good moments on defense, but some of the bad moments, especially when he's asked to be out on the perimeter are really bad, really, really bad. And that's what I look forward to seeing in the playoffs. You know, when that time comes is how do teams attack him? How does he respond? And what do the Dallas Mavericks do from a scheme point of view um, to put him in positions to succeed? Uh, Like Dallas, that's going to be the number one question for me. Can KP stay healthy and can KP be effective on defense? If, if yes and yes, then they are a real threat. I mean, they are even with Luca, but if KP can be that guy and say yes to both of those questions, they could beat anybody. They really could. And that, that really speaks to the, the level of talent that Luca has and the level he's playing at now, because he's even better than last season when he was top five in MVP voting, Chris, because of the shooting and they're a threat, man. Dallas is really, really good. Yep. Uh, I was talking to you earlier this week. I was texting with you about, uh, I was watching, uh, the Heat Grizzlies game and Oladipo was just, I mean, I mean, it was bad, Kev, bad. And I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, Louise, I really like this guy. We're not that far removed from being an all NBA caliber performer. I know he's had some devastating injuries, but like, what happened to this guy? And we kept saying, if you're going to get the most out of this guy, here is a great situation for him whatever is going to happen with Oladipo going forward he's got his best chance of being really good uh going forward when he signed with Miami and then last night he has this moment uh you know this viral moment for this dunk that goes around everywhere and it's like oh wow is Oladipo uh you know, maybe this is a side of things to come. Here's the athleticism. Here's Oladipo uh, for the first time in forever, getting a highlight passed around. And then, uh-oh, again. Yeah, he got right. hurt. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, oh, geez. Uh, for this guy who, you know, this was going to be the opportunity. And he turned down a big contract offer. From Houston, right? And so you always worry about, you know, these guys making uh, the right decision. He obviously thought, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm going to turn this 20 million plus down because I think if I go into free agency, I'm going to be able to get a longer term contract. And so let's hope that Oladipo is going to be okay and that this is not just some kind of terrible recurring thing and he's just going to be branded as a guy that cannot stay on the court but I mean it wasn't looking that great prior to and then he had this moment Mm. and then it 
goes away within an instant, right? Yeah, he looked like vintage Vic. Yeah, with that dunk, you know, with Jeez. that play, how explosive he looked, and then the injury is scary. And you know, I, I know it was reported last night that X-rays came back negative. Has an MRI scheduled today on Friday, and maybe by the time this podcast comes out, we'll actually yep. get news on that. But hopefully, um, everything's okay with Victor Oladipo. Yeah, hopefully he's going to be okay. Another thing that we do want to mention from last night is uh, after the trade deadline, we talked about the teams that. There were so few that were not trying to improve themselves. And you talked about how the dog days can usually get a little bit boring. But this year, with 10 teams at least having the opportunity in each conference to be able to be playoff teams, that you had a lot more teams that were trying to augment uh, their roster to take a run at that. One of those was Sacramento. Like they tried to get better, they you know bringing in Delon Wright, bringing in Terrence Davis. They they brought in guys uh, to try to help their situation. And holy mackerel, Kev! I Five mean, now it, you do wonder when you get to the point of okay, is this is this just not going to happen for us this year? Because you made those moves thinking. I'm going to we're going to we're going to take a run at this but you, bro you cannot lose at home to the Pistons after that, losing to Minnesota. <laughs> I mean I mean you're trying to make the you're trying to just get one of the top 10 spots and you're taking losses at home to the two worst teams going? Yeah. Who they're not even they're not they don't even care if they win. And they lost to the Bucks without Giannis, and they lost to the Lakers without AD and LeBron. Like during this, and they lost to the Spurs, who have been terrible the last month or so. And so you know, now like, you've kind of hit that. You've this is this is the cautionary tale, right? Because now they're in that spot where it's not good enough, and are now getting further and further behind the eight ball to be able to compete. But on the other hand. They're not. They're behind in the race to the bottom too. So, like, you're kind of in no man's land right now. You're kind of like a low lottery pick, you know, as as the reward for whatever your season is. And so, I look. I think what this signifies is it's going to be very problematic for Luke Walton. We've talked about this before, especially when it comes to talking to the owner. The GM's going to go and say, "This look, we 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 fixed this. You know what I mean? We 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 got more players. Did you know? Uh, did you huh? fix it? Did, no, did you fix it though? no. Oh, again, I, I, again, I know, I, I know, but like, if I'm the owner of the team, I'm saying, did you fix it though? Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> right. Well, look, it's either that or and they change they change management every six months. So I mean, yeah. it's, or or it, let me let me change that. They do not necessarily change the letterhead. They change who the owner listens to every mm. six months, right? And then if the, and then they'll bring in some other like advisor, and then they'll have him, you know, be the voice uh, that says this is the way it should go. So it's obviously they they got those kind of problems. But the one guy that will not survive it is is Luke. And I thought it was funny the other day. People were like, "Hey, uh." Hey Luke, you want that Arizona job? You're like you, you think you want that, <laughs> right? Because his old college job came open. I was like, man, it's not the worst idea. I mean, you would get paid a fortune to do that. It might not be the worst idea to just say, you know what? See you guys. I'm gonna go catch the Arizona Wildcats if they want him. Um, 
because I can't imagine that uh, this is going to be pretty for him because you know they're all blaming him, whether it's his yeah. fault or not. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it's the type of situation ripe for a coaching change. I mean, like that that could be the fault of Luke Wall, and it might not be the fault of Luke Wall. Like the, the roster needs work too. It's hard to win with the roster that he's had the last couple of years, but they should be better than they have been, especially the last five games. Like we just said, the the teams they've lost against. You gotta get at least one of those wins. You gotta get at least one of those, especially Detroit at home, losing by twelve. Killian Hayes dominated Tyrese Halliburton uh, last night. Well, and I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna get to that, but I'm not. I'm not gonna speak on the game because obviously I did not watch this game. Um, <laughs> did Chris? Said, no, they, they, uh, Kevin. They could be playing in my backyard, and I would not raise the blinds. Um, I don't. I, I'm not watching the Pistons and the Kings, but I did look at the box score and I saw the Gosh. consummate. I'm trying to. I'm trying to win, so I'm playing my veterans because you know you. I was getting used to seeing Halliburton in that starting lineup. Especially since Bagley went out, and I, and I and I queued it up last night, and I was like, "Oh God, he's already starting Mo Harkless." Mo Harkless, like, I didn't even know Mo Harkless was still in the league. Like, he wasn't even playing for Miami. How could you be and, so Mo Harkless? And, yeah, how could you be Mo Harkless? And now he's <laughs> and now he's starting for the Kings. You know, uh, in the place of Tyrese Halliburton, who you say got. He, he he got the wood laid to him last night. By, I mean, uh, I mean K- Killian, Killian Hayes. Hayes had a, Killian Hayes had a great sequence last night where he defended Tyrese Halliburton's drive to the rim, blocked it. Then the next play, hit a step back three on him, oh. and it was part of the best game of Killian Hayes' young career. Only the tenth game of his career, eleven points on five of five of seven shooting, three rebounds, two assists. One block on Halliburton. He looked Watch pretty out. good. It was it was his best game, man. And you know. He could, get the, he, he could get the rookie of the year talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure about that. But you know, me me saying this is not some vic, uh, victory lap. It's not a Killian Hayes victory lap. Mm. That would be foolish after 10 games in his career to do that. Um, but you know, it's just it's just. I thought earlier in the season after he played seven games, seven games in which he was playing hurt with the hip injury, I was floored by the amount of people that were saying he's a bust. Like it really blew my mind. You know, there have been so many instances, Chris, in league history. There were history. a lot of people saying he was a bust? Yeah, after seven games. Well, especially in my mentions because I had him uh, ranked yeah. number one, you know. That's so, But it's just like there's been so many instances in league history where guys have struggled their first month or two or their first season or two or three, sometimes even more than that. And then they've turned into the guy that a lot of people thought they would be before the draft. Development's never linear. And so with Hayes, a guy like that, I think it's going to take longer than hit for him, especially with the setback he had his rookie year. But you know what, Chris, I, I've really liked what I've seen the last three games. He's made some spectacular passes, especially in the open floor, had some nice kickouts to shooters in the half court. I like the defense that I'm seeing with him and the shot creation ability is raw, but we're seeing some flashes of his ability to create a look with the step back. So, you know, I, I think these skills give him a foundation to build upon and I wouldn't have him ranked number one if I were to do my rankings again today, but I'd still have him five, six or seven still be a lottery pick for me. And I'm still very high on his game. And I, I think it's really short sighted if people are giving up on a player after seven games in which they were hurt. Um, 
it would be foolish of me after 10 games to do a victory lap here. Um, but I look forward to seeing where he develops from here. And I think Pistons fans have a very nice core with Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, another good draft pick potentially coming. You know, the Pistons stink right now, but they have some quality young players that give you something to feel hope. Yeah, by the way, that game last night without Jeremy Grant. So it was the Pistons oh, yeah. without their leading scorer. Yeah. How about that, man? You, you lose two. The Pistons I mean, without Jeremy on, Grant. Man. The Lakers without AD and LeBron. The Bucks without Giannis. You know, you lose to Minnesota. You lose to San Antonio, who, who has only won two games the last couple of weeks. That's a rough stretch for the Sacramento Kings, man. Man, no question about it. Kev, as of today, it is officially the end of uh, the buyout market. Today's the buyout deadline. And so there will inevitably be names. There will be names that come out after you and I are off the air. We're always surprised by one or two, usually. Um, So far, we have had a group of guys that have been uh, bought out by their respective teams. And so the reason we're bringing this up is because this is the last opportunity for some of these teams to improve their rosters. Uh, for the stretch run. Um, So far, we have had, and these are guys that have been released. They came to an agreement with their team, and so now they become unrestricted free agents and somebody can get them cheap. Kem Birch, which I know you had to be thrilled about, clearing the way for your guy, Mo Bamba, right? (laughs) Now that Kem Birch is out there. Kem Birch, uh, Gary Clark, Terrence Ferguson, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, uh, Jabari Parker, Vincent Poirier, uh, Boyer, uh, Austin Rivers, Jerome Robinson. Um, These are names that are already out there. I'm going to get to some names that might very well end up being out there. But uh, any of those interest you? Uh, Ken Birch, for sure. He's you think he could player. help? So you think yeah, he could help? Somebody? I mean, all that stuff that's out there about him going to Toronto, though, it, it does. It's been like that for weeks, even okay. before the deadline. I heard mm. he wants to go back to Toronto. He's Canadian. He wants to play home next season, and this is, seems like part of his free agency. Essentially, and it's just early free agency. So we'll see if he gets claimed. You know, he could be a waiver claim because he's a quality rotation player on a, on an affordable contract. So that wouldn't be a total shock. Um, but if he does hit the free agent market, he will go to Toronto and it'd be shocking if he does otherwise. Terrence Ferguson. I'm not sure how much he can help a team right now, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to have him and see what he can do. See how he develops. Justin Jackson. Wow. That was a, that was a, uh, that was a Kings draft pick, right? Uh, Darius Miller. Boy, Jabari Parker just never, Oh man, it's just never happened. It never happens. I think you and I were both holding out hope with him. Especially when he was in Atlanta, you know, and then he moved on. It was like, you know what? Maybe this guy, you know, maybe his destiny's not being some kind of outstanding NBA player, but he just ends up being, you know, a guy that can come off the bench and give you some buckets and a a reasonably good, possibly high-level role player, you know? I, I, I was at the Boston College Duke game back in February 2014, and... I talked to Jabari Parker after the game and asked him about his defense. I was like, this is the number one knock on you is your defense and and the effort you put in and the focus you put in on that end of the floor. And I said, like, how do you get better at something like that? And he goes, 
it's just about effort. It's about trying. It's just about wanting to do it. And I heard that response and I'm like, huh, you know, maybe he's one of those college guys who's just coasting, you know, and waiting for the NBA to really explode. He's never exploded. Not once, not, not has he become the guy on the defensive end of the floor that he could be by doing the things that he talked to me about at the time that he's talked about since. And that's disappointing, man, because that guy has talent, you know, with his size and fluidity and his handle, there's some, there's an NBA player in there. Just what happened? Well, and you, you also, you also wonder what happened with just the extreme amount of lost time. You know, the, that the you're spending too, in rehab, exactly. that you're yeah. not spending being an NBA professional as you normally would. Exactly. You're just so much time where you're like, you're not even, I mean, you're not part of the team like you would be part of the team, you know, it, 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 and this is soon into your intro to NBA basketball. And so how much does it all just end up getting stunted, you know, and Absolutely. or and maybe... Maybe just one of those guys that, like, you know, it just it wasn't gonna happen, right? Like, I mean, but I think I think it's fair to say he he certainly is on that list of guys that nobody disagreed with uh his uh potential coming out of college. And it wasn't just potential, it was this guy, like it is hard to imagine Jabari Parker not being an outstanding pro. I'm talking about if you watched him at Duke, it was hard to imagine, even if he wasn't that good defensively, um, that he, and there was a lot of people that were, um, you know, it was, it was not uh, crazy for the people that were saying, Hey, Parker over Wiggins. That was a real debate. I had Parker over Wiggins. It was a real my, debate. My, my, my order was Embiid, Parker, Wiggins. Yeah. That was my top three that year. Well, I mean, that was a real debate. A worthwhile one, too. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it just never... There he is, bought out. And, and the Austin Rivers thing is crazy. Austin Rivers, this it was going to be like his 15th team. I swear he's on a different team three times every season, <laughs> it feels like. Is Austin That's, Rivers. That must be tough, man. Somebody's going to pick him up. I guess they, you know, it was rumored with the Bucks, right? Yeah, but then they, they got uh, somebody else. So they got Jeff Teague. So yeah. with Milwaukee, we'll see if they would also add Austin Rivers or if Austin Rivers would even want to go there when they got their first choice in Teague. Yeah, th- these are some of the names that have at least been mentioned on Hoops app. And again, by the time people listen to this, it'll probably be out there. Um, I read uh, Avery Bradley, uh, Corey Joseph, possibly. You know, he just got added to the Pistons and he went crazy last night. He had, the a, Pist- he had himself a night. <laughs> no, I know. It, it, doesn't it feel like one of those nights where the Pistons brass are meeting today? They're like, all right, we just got to buy this guy out. Like he's going to, we're going to win games every once in a while if this guy's going to play like this. <laughs> right? This is not, this is not yeah. what we brought you here to do. All right, my guy, what are you doing? Why yeah. are you sabotaging this by being too good? So Corey Joseph uh, very well could go on. Maybe, maybe that was, it kind of does feel with the deadline being today. Doesn't that feel like Corey Joseph being like, Get All right. Of me. <laughs> if, if you're thi- if you're thinking about yeah. buying me out, allow me just to remind you why you should. 
Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and put the team on my back That's in funny. this game in Sacramento and win. And uh, either buy me out, or I'm gonna help you win games. They're like, no, 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 don't do that. Okay, Corey, <laughs> Corey. You, all right, look, let's just come to a deal. <laughs> <laughs> no more of this winning crap. Yeah, um, yep. Auto Porter with the Magic, maybe might get maybe. bought out. I mean, his name's yeah. out there. Hassan Whiteside with the Kings. Um, as a name that's out there, maybe get bought out. Um, the Avery Bradley one, and that's been linked with the Lakers. Maybe Palinka bringing him back into the fold if he gets bought out by the Rockets. And then I read one where it, somebody opined Marcus All, and I was like, no way. I don't think so. No way, right? No way. I could not. That would be I, good. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens today. I, I look forward to. To see yeah. if there's any surprises. There might be. I mean, because, uh, and then they'll all, you know, they'll all sign with the Nets and become awesome again. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Bro, Blake Griffin dunking like like he was the other night. Yeah. Well, that is, I know. I know. that's obscene. W- Wednesday's game, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. I mean, it's, it requires team defense to stop Zion, but I thought individually Blake and Aldridge did one hell of a job. Playing good positional defense, active playing strong, like the size Aldridge provides to Brooklyn is, I think I underrated it at the time that it happened. He just looks huge out there as compared to even DeAndre Jordan, Nick Claxton, Jeff Green, their other guys are using in that big role. Aldridge is a giant <laughs> and, and they used him pretty well against Zion in that game on Wednesday night. It, it was impressive. Well, and they have now moved into first place in the Eastern Conference standings, a place that we eventually thought they could uh, likely get they are they actually have the uh, they're one win ahead of uh, Philadelphia right now. So Philadelphia is a half game back, and then there's Milwaukee, and then there is this large gap. And I'll be damned, but Charlotte is kind of holding the fort down. Like they're they're in the mix, and I, I feel so bad for them. You know, they they lost Lamelo, and then they lost Hayward, and it's like, geez, like whatever, whatever the possibility of them being like a really fun playoff team that could maybe, you know, win a couple games and make it interesting and at least maybe have some good performances. Um, those feel, you know, more and more far-fetched. Well, but LaMelo, LaMelo could come back. He Hayward could. could come back. If, you know, it's about a month, they said, for Hayward, so he mm-hmm. could return before the playoffs. And right now, with the standings, they'd face Atlanta in the first round. Yep. That's the 4-5 today. So if you were to get Atlanta, they could win a first round series and yep. go to the second round and face Brooklyn or Philly, right. whoever ends up number one. Well, and Atlanta's just got to get by, you know, win this time because they they don't have Collins, they don't have Hunter. The other yeah, night they were si- they were the, the other night uh, against the Grizzlies, they didn't have Capella, they didn't have Gallinari, you know, and so uh, they had been outstanding since the hiring of Nate McMillan. But it's hard to watch them now and make any kind of conclusions as to what they're going to be. And that is the odd thing with a lot of these teams. Okay, like, what are they going to be when it comes playoff time? Because so many are having to play uh, without their full rosters. Uh, New York, I guess, is the they're the ones that are trying to hang on for dear life with uh, Indiana trying to get up there um, and get one of those eight spots and Chicago trying to get one of those eight spots. I think, you know, I think now we're kind of the point where 
with Toronto falling back the way they have that uh, New York's going to be in a play-in, right? Like, yeah. I mean, even if they yeah. do fall down, it's hard to imagine them not being you know, one of the 10 teams. And so just yes. having the Knicks, the Knicks in a play-in, like, is the NBA's dream, wouldn't it's you say? It's super fun. It's super fun. That is whether, the, whether they get to win one or two, it's going to be fun. Either way, right? <laughs> and the yeah. other thing is you don't want, I mean, I wouldn't, I said this to you a couple weeks ago, I wouldn't want Tibbs in that kind of a situation where it's just like, okay, we only have to prepare for one certain game that we are playing, one opponent that we are playing against. Like, I do think he can provide you an advantage in that type of setting. And we would see Celtics-Knicks right now. They would play, the way the play-in works is the seven oh faces God. the eight. Whoever the winner is gets the seven seed. The loser faces the winner of the nine versus ten game. So if the if the net Knicks beat the Celtics, they would get the seven seed. And then the Celtics would face the winner of Pacers-Bulls. That would be a crazy fun week. Oh. That would be really fun. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I, it, it, I, I think the play on. The, I think the plan is going to be here to stay. I'd be surprised because it was so good last year. It's going to be even better this year. I would be willing to bet. Um, and the lead up to it's going to be even better too because, like you just said, Chris, they're, they're fighting for a top eight spot because getting the six means you're automatically in. Mm-hmm. Getting the seven or eight means you only have to win once, right. not twice. Like if you're the nine or ten. So there's all these different little levels and the standings that matter now that make it just way more interesting down the stretch. Well, and you uh, with Toronto kind of fading out a little bit. They've only won three of their last ten games. That they are they're three games back from Chicago. So it seems like we're probably going to get. It's most likely we get those 10 teams, the 10 teams we see right now there. The order will inevitably change, but that's the 10 teams that we will get. And a couple of those like a New York, like a Chicago, it could be, even even Indiana, like there's you can you can come up with all kinds. There, there's nothing off the table in the Eastern Conference, you know, because all of these teams have extremely mediocre records once you get past Milwaukee. You know, um, the only one that like if they fell off, I would be shocked would be Miami. I don't think they're going to like fall off to where they're going to. I think it's more likely that they progress to where they don't have to be in one of those play in type situations. And in the Western Conference, you've got these teams that have really, you know, cratered. And we talked about this uh, earlier in the week, but it hasn't stopped for the Spurs. It hasn't stopped for Golden State. and New Orleans has been the team that just, they really haven't made up the ground. Like they just don't, they, they haven't been able to make up the ground. I mean, they're sitting, we're 50, there's only, uh, what, 31, no, 21 games. 21 games left in this season, Kevin. And they are seven games under 500 at 22 and 29. And so uh, I think that, much like we talked about uh, Portland not taking advantage of the Lakers, you know, uh, losing these games without LeBron. New Orleans is just not taking advantage of the fact that uh, San Antonio and the Warriors have both fallen apart recently. 
you know. Yeah, it's like you said, the NBA sure would love to see the New York Knicks and yep. uh, playing in the East. Well, they sure would love to see Zion Williamson, <laughs> the Pelicans in the West. And they and just won't they're take not, advantage yeah, of this. They're like, not just, taking advantage. It's too bad. <laughs> it's, it is crazy, right? Yeah, it's you know, pretty wild. Yeah, I, well, they'll do like what they did for the bubble, right? They're gonna Adam Silver's gonna come in and say, you know what? It's eleven teams. Yeah. <laughs> 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 if Zion's not there, he's gonna Adam Silver's gonna he's gonna change the rules. He's gonna say, you know what? I know we we said ten, <laughs> but we actually uh, we've come to the conclusion that it's better if it's eleven, so that I we mean, can uh, get uh, the Pelicans involved here. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, down the stretch of this season for the New Orleans Pelicans, the there's a chance here. Like the San Antonio Spurs have one of the toughest schedules remaining in the NBA this year. The Pelicans do not. Their schedule is in the middle of the pack the rest of the year. So if the Spurs do continue losing the way in which they have been, New Orleans is going to have one opportunity to face them the rest of the season. They face them on April 24th. So later this month, they get a game against the Spurs. You win that. And if the Spurs keep losing, they're a really tough schedule. New Orleans could grab that spot. They could. And they'll, about, ca- and like, they'll it, catch San they Antonio. I'd be a little surprised if they don't. New Orleans should win some games moving forward. Their defense is not great, but um, I would pick the Pelicans if I had to make a prediction for one of those top 10 spots. Oh, yeah. I think they'll, they'll, they will either be 9 or 10 for sure. Uh, yeah. they'll, they're they're going to bypass one I, of I, those. I, I think two. San Antonio slides out in all likelihood. And go, uh, how about this? So you were talking about... And again, this is why this, what would typically be the dog days becomes more fun when we're standing watching, because much like we just talked about how the NBA would be, they would love it if they could somehow, if, if the Knicks end up in you know the play-in scenario, which is like on track to happen one way or the other. How about if you had Curry and Zion? Mm. Yeah. Well, also Ja. Could be yeah. there too for yes. you know seven or eight spot with Luca possibly or Dame. Uh, Lu- in the Luca, Jaw, Zion, and Curry. Well, yeah, is your play-in week? That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> not as good as the East, though, is it? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, it was oh, geez. not as good as the East. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 Randall Brogdon, <laughs> <laughs> Randall uh, Brogdon. Who are our other ones? I mean, uh, I mean, the East isn't bad though. And Levine, also, Levine like, right, right and Tatum. Tatum, Brown, yep. Randall, Barrett, Sabonis, Brogdon, Levine, Vucevic. It's not bad. Frankie Smokes. As, the West is just ridiculous, though. <laughs> That is ridiculous. Frankie smokes. Yeah, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> is he getting some run? Frank Milikina. That's my getting, guy. Is he getting some run? Or no? He's playing a little bit. He is? Playing a little bit, Chris. Yeah. Frank Milikina can play defense, dude. Okay. He can defend. He hasn't played much this past week or so. Yeah, I think he had like one game where he played two or three minutes. Yeah, it's a shame. It's, uh, it's, a, sh- it's a shame he doesn't have a coach that values defense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think he's played too much since the deadline, I mean, Chris. I, mean, oh. I think he played one or two games since the the uh, deadline. I mean, seriously, if there was ever a coach in the history of the world that cares about defense, he's he's there. I'm not uh, selling my Frank stock. <laughs> You're just holding on for dear life. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sell when I'm down. I do feel like you've kind of moved on, though. I feel like you have. I I, I feel like Frankie was, uh, you know, he's something from your past. And now, you know, your new toy is Poku. 
Poku. Yeah, I feel like you. No, have, yeah, I, I, I think you. I think you said, you know what? I've had enough of that guy that shoots thirty percent from the field. I have multiple players that I enjoy, and it's not not subject just to one or a handful. I still like Frank Nilakina. He's still only twenty two years old. He turns twenty three later this year. It's I, like I wouldn't rule out four years from now, five years from now, that he becomes a thirty seven percent three point shooter in spot up situations, and and that's what gives him consistent playing time. I still think there's an NBA player in Frank Nilakina. It's just, it's unfortunate that the offense has not developed really that much at all since um, a year or so ago. He's kind of plateaued there. And so that's disappointing. He could be a big star in China. You know what I mean? Worked out for another Knicks point I'm sh- guard. I'm shaking my head right now to the it, listeners. I'm Steph shaking on, my head. Stephon Marbury. I'm shaking my head. You know what I mean? He could take Marbury's face. Place when he's done. He's he forty six percent from three this year. By the way, Chris, only huh? on thirty seven attempts. Thirty yeah. <laughs> two attempts. Seventeen of thirty seven. Oh, um, is that right? Yeah. Okay, it's uh, true. Oh, oh! Before we get out of here, we do need to address this. And I, oh, this is not on purpose that we are talking about this at the very, very end of the podcast. Uh, trust me on that because we had talked earlier this morning about addressing it. So, um, there were articles that came out this week. Because Tristan Thompson wants to kill Kevin O'Connor. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Tristan Thompson, though, did say he had a memory like an elephant. And he was upset about uh, some of the things that had been reported that were said on this podcast. Um, So both of our names were obviously mentioned in regards to this. And a couple of weeks ago, we uh, this is prior to the trade deadline, that show. I had, I had, uh, I had just been to a Celtics game, and I had talked about what I had heard regarding what was going on with that team um, from people that I trust greatly. That I will tell you would absolutely know. Um, and so, regarding what I said about, I, I, I'm not going to speak for Kevin. I'll just speak for myself. Um, regarding with what I said, which was there was. Uh, that there were people out on him, that there was a level of frustration on the uh, commitment to team because he had he had gone been going out and had been breaking protocols. Something, by the way, which I listened to a radio interview that Brad Stevens did a couple of weeks ago where he said, you know, some of the stuff was absolute uh, fooey. And then the, the host, and forgive me, I can't remember his name, um, pointedly asked him, said, uh, well, look, here is the exact thing that Chris Vernon said, said that, you know, the reason he is in these protocols right now, and this is weeks ago, all right, um, was because he he had broken the protocols, you know, and, and had been going out. And and Brad Stevens just like, like, oh, I, 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 I don't know how that would be possible. Like, he just didn't. It was obvious. OK, for anybody that wants to listen to that. Um, and so what I said was what I was told by someone who would like, what do I care about uh, Tristan Thompson? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, it, this is a conversation I had with what the hell is going on with the Celtics um, from people that are involved with the Celtics. And they say, Marcus has been upset because, you know, and so he's kind of been on edge because his name's in these trade things that he reads every day. And it affects a guy like that. And, and, and Thompson wants to be, you know, he doesn't want to be a part of uh he doesn't want to be a basketball player, right? He's a Kardashian star now. And he, you know, they've had a problem with him going out. Guys were just 
they, they, they weren't down with it. And so like the whole, do I expect everybody to come out and be like, oh, I don't, I don't like Tristan Thompson. You know what? Or Tristan is whatever, right? Of course, they're going to band together. Like, look, they all said they like Kyrie too. Um, and they loved playing with Kyrie too. Uh, so take it for what it's worth. I would just tell you that regarding what I had to say on the podcast regarding uh, Tristan Thompson and what I heard about uh, what was going on with that team, that was I was I was saying that because I heard that from people that were involved. I mean, how the f would I know? How would I know what's going on with that team? I'm not around that team. How would I know what's going on? Um, uh, or or why would I make that up, right? Um, and so Tristan Thompson and uh, I guess the Celtics, like, look, their season has not been going all that well. So I, I guess anything with the least bit of drama uh, surrounding it can be a topic. But this is what I have to say about the whole deal um, and why I passed along the information that I did a couple of weeks on the show. But look, he doesn't want to, he doesn't, he, he, he didn't remember my name. He remembered Kevin's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think if I had used the word organization instead of locker room, mm. uh, the quoted tweet from NBA Central would have been totally different and the response would have been totally different. But I think, you know, the whole experience for me, the, I always try to have a growth mindset with every experience I have, whether it's good or bad. I always ask myself, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How can I do this better next time? And with reporting or saying anything on a podcast that has any potential of being picked up in the news, I learned in this instance that wording can dramatically change the whole story or even make it a story. So I told myself two weeks ago after Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker initially responded to that NBA Central tweet, and I said to myself, in the future, when I report something on our show... I'm going to listen back to that clip before we publish, like on my own file, to confirm if a report is something I'd want to put out on a podcast. Mm. And in this case, while recording, it's no different than like when you're writing an article. Yeah. Sometimes like you cut it out. Sometimes you keep it in. And in this case, while recording, I thought my comment was only really a quick little one sentence response to your initial report about the Celtics yeah. after they came through, after the general chemistry stuff that I talked about with like the COVID protocols and that causing difficulties for the team and across the league. And I thought all that would give it a totally different meaning. And NBC Sports Boston actually had me on TV that week to talk about it. And I think, no. they were, I, I think they thought they were going to get something explosive. And I just uh, told them this is normal chemistry issues for a team going through tough times. And yeah. so I, I said, I don't think it's as big of a deal as you're making it out to be. And the story went away the next day. And, but the thing is, is what I realized is important is it, if I report something, it can't be left so vague. One sentence isn't enough for me, and it requires even more context, or it shouldn't be said at all. So in the past, when I've been criticized by others, or I've been criti critical of myself, I've improved from it. And I will hear too, so that I can do the best work that I can in the future. My man. I, um, yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I, we, we have nothing against Tristan Thompson. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. sorry that he's mad about yeah. the situation, yeah. but when I when I when I when I ask people what's going on, and uh, they unload with all manner of things that's going on with the team, like I'm gonna pass it along. I'll be surprised, Chris. When when we were recording that podcast, like you don't report that much. Like you don't usually report. 
No. And, and like, I was surprised. Like, but when you have something that you feel is trustworthy that you can run with, you will in those situations. Um, so that, you know, that's why that recording, I was like, oh, wow, Chris, Chris has something about well, and I had also the, the big that. question of like, everybody want, is wondering what's wrong with the Celtics. And it, yeah. it's not just one it's thing. It's not, and it's, it's not a lot him. of things. Right. No, it became an easy, like, here's pointing oh, yeah. the finger at this guy that oh, doesn't yeah. even play. And that's not. That's, that's not, not what I was attempting to do. Exactly. I was trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. You know, like why? Like what, what this team, it's not right. So what's going on here? Right. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that's that. And but we will re- remember forever that Tristan Thompson has a brain like an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> brain like an elephant. <laughs> That was a great line. That was, it is. That was funny. It, it was is a really a, good clip. Yeah. It is a great line. Uh, all right. That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you to producer Sasha as always. And we will talk to you next week. Hope everybody has a fun weekend.